Hi, I'm Rob. Hi, I'm Mark. And tonight, we're 21 episodes old. And in celebration, we're looking back at how Doctor Who celebrated similar milestones. All this, and the debut of our brilliant new segment. Stay tuned. But before all that, I think I need a leak. So, Rob, it feels like it's uh, been a long time between drinks or a long time between leaks, hasn't it? Well, at least halfway decent leaks, Mark. Uh, the last week or so has uh, not really been a leak. It's been a torrent of uh, unauthorised uh, releases, <laughs> hasn't it? And torrent being the uh, the word for the day. Yes, the, uh, the BBC has found itself in the uh, rather awful position of having, uh, is it five or six scripts emerge on the internet? I think it was five scripts. And, uh, and a whole episode, something that we've not seen since Rose... Uh, emerge from the internet uh, just before the the broadcast back in 2005, I think. So have you managed to restrain yourself and not look at the scripts or the uh, the leaked episode? Shall I lie or shall I tell the truth, Mark? Let's lie. Let's lie. I've not seen the scripts at all, Mark. I've heard about them, of course, but uh, no, I've I've uh, no, I've done the right thing, I suppose, and uh, restrain myself. What about yourself? I couldn't be bothered, really. I'd rather be uh, surprised when I actually see them because the scripts really don't give a true indication what episode's like, really. I've just kept away from it. I've seen them listed occasionally and I've just ignored them. Yeah, well, as you say, I mean, a, a script is essentially a bare bones of the story itself and there's a whole, as with everything in TV, there's a lot of other elements that come into play. Obviously the visual, obviously, you know, the, the music, the incidental music and, and clearly the acting. Um, brings a, a script to life otherwise it's just you know words on a page so I mean I do feel I feel for the BBC because really I mean, some blame has been pointed at them you know erroneously of course um, it was a, a, what appears to have been a mistake down in their BBC uh, Miami offices uh, someone left a server unattended I think that's the correct term I think they're downing too much tequila I think <laughs> And left their Dropbox uh, just open to, open to just the world. Open. And Google, being Google and appropriating other people's property without actually proper attribution, uh, decided to index it and made it uh, viewable on the internet. So, yes. Or something to that effect. I mean, I don't want to be sued by Google and say that they had a deliberate plan in trying to undermine the BBC as they themselves developed their own media empire. I think the BBC does a very good job of undermining itself. Those of us who venture onto Twitter and uh, you know go onto the forums, there was a bit of... You know, I, I would characterise some of it as sanctimonious drivel from people, you know, basically ordering other fans not to avail themselves of any of, you know, the scripts or the leaked episode uh, because, you know, it would be, you know, detrimental to the BBC and we've all got to stand by the BBC and we've all got to stand by and love the show. Uh, sometimes fans are a little bit too precious about Doctor Who, especially, I think, new series fans. I think some lack a bit of perspective. I mean, it wasn't something that was widespread, I found, but... And it's probably unfair of me to pick out one minor element and, and just sort of, you know, hit it about the head. But uh, I like hitting things about the head. So, I mean, some of it was just a little bit over the top. I mean, if people want to go and, you know, illegally obtain the scripts, well, that's on them and so be it. And similarly with um, with with the leaked episode, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, advise or, you know, countenance people going out and obtaining property illegally. But, 
given the age that we live in, it's going to happen. And if people feel comfortable and, and, and are aware of the risks, uh, apart from the legal risks, you may also be downloading you know, a virus or something like that onto your PC, so you know, buyer beware. But at the end of the day, people are adults more or less, and if they want to do that sort of thing, well, so be it. Um, it's not going to hurt the BBC one iota, I think. Uh, it, no mainstream you know, non-fan is going to care. I mean, that seven or eight or nine million people will tune in for Deep Breath when it actually uh, launches in, in August. Uh, this, this episode being out there is not going to reduce that, that, that audience or those viewers, uh, you know, one or two at all, at all, really. So. And the people who've watched the episode uh, via nefarious means are going to watch it again on when it's transmitted anyway. So. And they're going to go buy it and they're probably going to, you know, buy it either off iTunes or, or, or the DVD when it comes out anyway. Yeah, so that's right. I mean, I under, look, you know, it, absolutely it's against the law to, uh, you know, breach someone else's copyright and obtain it for yourself. But... Uh, at the end of the day, the publicity has been worldwide. It doesn't hurt, you know, Doctor Who. People are still going to watch it, as we've said. Uh, it, you know, it probably is unfair to the production team, in a sense, because uh, the story is, in terms of effects and music, apparently incomplete. But, um, you know, uh, that's just the way the world is at, the, at this point. Maybe they should rename the title from Deep Breath to Deep Heat, with all the amount of grief it's been giving people. <sighs> Well, deep heat in the wrong, you know, places, I suppose. <laughs> the thing is, they can lock down Cardiff all they want, but because Doctor Who now is a global enterprise and they want to coordinate uh, broadcast dates as much as they can, so they've got to have uh, translations and the like prepared well in advance, it's only a matter of time before this sort of thing happens. I mean, it's like last year, the same thing happened with um, Name of the Doctor. They shipped the Blu-ray discs out or at least I think it was a week earlier. It was and, a week earlier, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and nobody spoilt anything. And I think that's a that's a thing. If you've if you've obtained it illegally and watched it, just keep it to yourself. Don't go on Twitter and don't go on Facebook and bragging about it. Just just be quiet until it comes out and don't spoil it for other people. Wise words, Mark. Wise words. In the day, it's only a TV show. They haven't leaked the nuclear launch codes, have they? Uh, not yet, anyway. And, and long may that be the case. <laughs> Actually, one of the other things that uh, slightly annoyed me: um, Gallifrey Base has been around for a long time, and really, it's the market leader in Doctor Who forums. And they've in- instituted a complete: you cannot discuss anything relating to the leaked scripts or the leaked episodes. And the only way that that works on the forums like that is, you know, 24-hour moderation, which must be exhausting. And in, in, mm. in lieu of that, it's effectively fans dobbing fans in. So if I was to go onto Gallifrey Base and, you know, assuming that I had watched Deep Breath, which I haven't, and talk about an element of it, you know, basically Gallifrey Base is saying to everyone else who, 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 who you know, on that forum, they have to dob me in. You know, mm. you've got to, you're going to basically dob me in, which I think is really unfair, turning fans into, you know, policing them, each other. It... Gallifrey Base comes in for a lot of stick and a lot of it undeserved, but I find something like that, if I'm characterising it correctly and if I'm not, I apologise to them. I find that uh, just a little bit uh, upsetting, actually, that you know fans are not forced to do that sort of thing, but sort of expected to dob each other in just to maintain the purity of the place. The turning on themselves. Yeah, and look, that I might be exaggerating it inadvertently, and if I am, again, mm. you know, sorry, but... I don't know. Just if if that's the way that they have to maintain or police their forums, I don't I don't like it. It's not it's not something. It's not it's not cricket, basically. If you want to go and watch a dodgy looking dinosaur in black and white, go and watch the Uncrumber Recovery version of Invasion of Dinosaurs Part One on the DVD. So, Mark, just in time uh, for the World Cup to finish, the uh, Doctor Who World Tour is about to begin, uh, starting off in that epicenter of uh, televisual universe, uh, Cardiff. 
um, that uh, the amazing uh, three amigos, uh, Jenna Coleman, uh, Peter Capaldi, who I probably should have mentioned first because he's more important than anyone else. And Martin Short. <laughs> and Martin Short, Stephen Moffat, uh, are going to be globetrotting uh, around the world, literally, uh, from Cardiff to London and then to uh, the former British colonies in America and then down south to uh, Brazil, is that right? Brazil, Seoul, North Korea. North Korea. <laughs> I've got North Korea on the mind. So wrongly. I think it's Seoul, then Sydney. Because the BBC had some sort of launch in Brazil recently that Mark Gattis attended. So I suppose this uh, them visiting there backs that up. Seoul is an odd one. I hadn't... I mean, well, I mean, was I'm just perplexed. I suppose uh, Doctor Who, as you said, is a global property now, so it's... It shouldn't be surprising that um, it's playing in places as uh, a distant as, as you know South Korea, for instance. Hmm. I, I, I do wonder what uh, the South Koreans make of Doctor Who, especially the, the North Koreans if they're listening in through their um, manacles and barbed wire um, and crystal radio sets. Do they actually? Well, yes, crystal. It's always the 1930s in North Korea. Yeah, it's 1933 all over again. Yes, yes. But uh, yeah, so um, they wind up uh, uh, as always. Australia is the last to know, and they've come. They're coming to Sydney uh, on August the 12th. I think you told me earlier before we started recording. Yes. Um, do you know what format um, it's all going to be taking, Mark? For a large fee, people get to watch the episode on the big screen. Uh, I think it's a Q and A hosted by Adam Spencer. Uh, who's an ABC, or was an ABC broadcaster, and apparently a Doctor Who fan. It's amazing how many Doctor Who fans there are in the professional media now that the show is back. They they would never have mentioned their fandom to anyone during the 1980s. They would have been skulking at the back of uh, the toilets at high school. Like I was. Fearing the the, the wrath of the local uh, uh, bully, uh, a.k.a. jock, a.k.a. basher. (laughs) Uh, If they would ever mention that they like (laughs) Snake. I, th- I think the news. I think the New Zealanders might be uh, New Zealanders might be uh, a bit miffed that they've they've missed out the Shaky Isles because you know I mean New Zealand has been the the centre of uh, you know movies uh, for for a good decade thanks to Peter Jackson yeah and earthquakes as well don't know about that but anyway um, yeah so they're coming to Australia and uh, I'm sure it'll just be the usual meet and grope uh, with uh, attendant uh, you know silly questions from the assembled Australian media uh, would you have liked to have attended Mark or are you intending attending I'm not attending. Uh, a few friends of mine are going up. I said no. There's other pressing matters in my life at the moment, so I probably won't be attending. How about you? Uh, no, I definitely won't be attending. I'm uh, in the busy, the very, 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 very busy period at work, and uh, July and August are basically in lockdown for leave. So no, that's not going to happen. But um, uh, you know, these sort of uh, these sort of Q and A sessions are fairly anodyne, and uh, you're not going to get anything new unless someone you know stands up and screams, "Stephen Moffat must resign," which will be entertaining. <laughs> Uh, but I'm sure with a withering glance, uh, Moffat will uh, deal with that individual if they ever dared to do that. So you're going to pay somebody to ask that question for you <laughs> on your behalf? There's a free DVD to anybody who does it. Yes, there is a free DVD. Mark's cupboards are bulging with free DVDs. We yes. double dare an Australian fan to, to do just that. But, uh, you know, it, I mean, look, it's good that the BBC is acknowledging uh, you know, the history of uh, the, the, the show here in Australia uh, and the, the long-running relationship with the ABC. Uh, so, you know, it's nice of them to come out. I'm sure that the, all the three participants will be horribly jet-lagged and be eager to get back home. Other than that, uh, uh, there's not much else to say. Not really. No. So speaking of celebrations, let's uh, move into our main topic. Let's. Let's. 
So, Mark, taking our cue from uh, our 21st episode, um, we're going to be looking at how uh, the show celebrated itself, its own milestones uh, in the last 50 years. Um, now, obviously, the first uh, story that uh, celebrated the show was the 10th anniversary, uh, The Three Doctors. Mark, I'll throw a question out to you on that point. I mean, should the show be celebrating itself, considering it at you know, that time it was merely, in air quotes, a children's TV show? For Doctor Who, I think, because it had started off as a kid's show, but progressed to a family show, and it, by its 10th anniversary had become a national institution already by that stage. I think it was felt by the production team to celebrate that uh, great achievement. And the interesting thing about, if you look back at it now, the three Doctors and the 10th anniversary, how low-key it was because all you got was a 10th anniversary radio time special and the three doctors kicked off the 10th anniversary season in the latter half of 1972 so if you think if you think about it now from a modern television perspective that whole season would have been set up where it started off with you know some a run of stories climaxing in that three doctor story television back then was like we start with a big bang at the beginning so whether it's a daleks in season nine the master in season eight the daleks again in season 17 and even time and the rani in season 24 they start off with a bang i was joking about the last point by the way <laughs> different mindset now of television making where they start with less at the beginning but end up with a bang where it was the other, other way around back then it's it's interesting that um just reading about the the how uh, the Three Doctors came about. I mean, Barry Letts and, and, and Terence Dix sort of had the idea that, you know, it, it, of course you would celebrate the show because, you know, being on television for 10 years is is, is a milestone, I suppose. And I mean, it, British television's got a history of long running of TV shows. So I suppose uh, there, there is that sort of uh, element there. Uh, but where you mentioned it was a sort of a low key uh, celebration. I mean, if you look at the story itself, um, it's a fairly low key story. You, 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 you have a bog-standard unit invasion uh, story with a couple of extra lead actors. And a ranting uh, villain. And, and a ranting villain. And it's mm. not... It, I, I'm not entirely sure, looking, looking back, what elements of the show it actually celebrates. Um, and, it, I mean, what elements of the show does it celebrate? Does it celebrate the lead actors by bringing back Troughton and Hartnell? Let's be honest. It only brought back Troughton, didn't it? I mean, poor old Hartnell's just reading off cue cards. He's literally on his last legs, isn't he? It's terrible. Watching it again in preparation for the podcast, I mean, you feel really sorry for him. There's little flashes of his former self, as it were, but sort of mm. seeing him reading off cue cards and trying to interact, it's quite it's quite sad, isn't it? It is a bit sad. Um, and I know, I know we don't review the, the stories, but I mean, what did you think of... Um, Troughton's performance does it does it hark back to uh, the role that he played only a few years beforehand, or is it? I mean, does he hark back? Episode one in particular, I, I think his portrayal is quite forced. He's trying to remember how he played it. It's not like he could ring up Barry Letts and say, "Oh, look, I'm happy to be on board. Can you send us a couple of VHS tapes of my old stories because they probably didn't exist anyway." Uh, he's got nothing to reference off apart from his memory. The irony there is, is as he was, you know. <laughs> Filming the role, his t- episodes were rolling towards a furnace, on <laughs> mass. On mass. Oh god. Anyway, it, I mean that's around the period of the the the, the, uh, the show's history when a lot of its heritage was actually being destroyed. Yes. Um, uh, holus bolus, and it, it it is it is a bit of an irony. Even for the tenth anniversary, there, there was no repeats because the earlier doctors were in black and white. Therefore, we shouldn't be showing it on colour stations. Mm. Where nowadays you wouldn't care what what 
what format it's in, colour what colour or black and white, long as the content's good. But uh, yeah, I thought Troughton was clutching to remember the role in the first two episodes, and by episodes three and four, he he got there. Great interactions between these two different acting styles but I think in the, when Trenton came back in later stories the five doctors and the two doctors he got the character better there yeah that felt more true second doctor to me than than the, the three doctors what about you I find the novelization of the three doctors a much more entertaining experience and uh, I have much fonder me- memories of the story in in book form than I do uh, as, a, as a viewing uh, experience I think that the three doctors laid a trap for the show uh, later on Insofar as I mean, I know the, the the Let's era has a lot of references to Time Lords, etc., uh, etc. Et and you, you know, you have you know Time Lords popping up, and the Doctor sent off on missions, and you know numerous mentions of the Time Lords. And here we have a, a story that is grounded in the myth of the Time Lords that Omega is you know one of the founding fathers of Time Lord society. And would it be great if we just go back and have a look at that and and, and see uh, see a bit of about that character? Um, and when I say it lays a trap, you, you begin to get that cycle of the, of the show looking back, looking back into its own continuity. So, you know, the, the five doctors is we go to Gallifrey uh, effectively and we look again at another mythic figure from Time World Society. This time it's Rassilon. And even with something like the two doctors, which is effectively the, the second doctor being sent on a mission by the, uh, by the Time Lords, there's, there's, there's an element of, I suppose, with a celebration, you do look back uh, and you do you know, want to celebrate the show and its history and, it, and its success. But I, I think sometimes you can do that to the show's detriment and you are not, unlike, say, The Day of the Doctor, which, yes, it looks back. It looks back to the Time War and, 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 and uh, you know, previous Doctors, but it also sets up the future, that yes. Gallifrey is back, yeah. that, you know, uh, the Doctor is, in a sense... Free now, free of the guilt of the time war that burdened the the war doctor slash the ninth doctor, the Eccleston doctor, and the tenant do, tenant doctor, and now the doctor can move forward. So, in in that sense, it really is a celebration because you you've 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 been able to experience joy uh, and being able to move on. So, uh, I, the three doctors, it's a fun romp. Uh, I don't think it's a particularly entertaining fun romp, and I think as a, as a celebration story, I. Th- think it misses the mark a little bit so had you read the book of the three doctors before you actually had seen it it mark it's really hard to tell given given the number of and the frequency of the repeats here in australia mm. during the 70s into the early 80s i i, I can only assume that I've, i saw it first on television because i know i bought it uh, the novelization in 81 or 82 or 83 uh, on a trip to Adelaide, so I, I know. But the 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 book itself, that that, that wonderful uh, cover, mm. uh, evocative cover, it made a greater impression on me than the story has since I've subsequently watched it. I saw it in eighty two. I remember it quite clearly actually, because our house had been broken into the day before, and they stole the colour television. Oh, so God. we're watching it on a black and white TV. <laughs> My memories are tinged with uh, watching the Three Doctors in black and white, and then I read the book afterwards. And and yes, the book is uh, superior. I mean, I watch it today. Was I entertained? I'm watching it. Yes, I was, and had some great Batman-esque uh, camera angles in there. The gel guards, yeah. Well, you know, I think it worked in that context. It celebrated the 10th anniversary of the show in a referential style that, um, as you said, kept on going later on with the five Doctors and, and to a lesser extent, the two Doctors. I think my problem for it is that I think uh, Bob Baker and um, Dave Martin aren't particularly good writers, and 
Uh, I think they're fairly bland, boring writers, to be honest, and I don't think they did any favours to the to, for the series and particularly this 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 uh, story. Uh, I, if if Barry Letson and Terence Dix had, had hit on someone else to write the story, whether Terence Dix would have been up for it or Robert Holmes or or, or anyone who could you know, I think put a, put a better story together. I think it would have worked better for me, but unfortunately we, we are stuck with what we have. So. But Robert Holmes did try writing the, the Five Doctors, or as he was calling it, the Six Doctors, when the special was mooted, and he could, he struggled to do it. He couldn't do it. That's why they get Terence Dixon. But that, that's because uh, J&T kept on loading... Or J&T and Eric Sayward kept on loading him up with elements that they had to be included into it, and th- these actors, these characters. And, I mean, a writer like Robert Holmes, I think, needs to have a, have a, a blank page in front of him to be able to create mm. and not have... Um, you know these elements. These elements. I like it's like the same thing with uh, that, that story, Yellow Fever. You know, here's a story with the master. Here's a story with the Autons. It's got to be set in Singapore. Well, what left is there for <laughs> for Robert Holmes to create? What about the two doctors, though? I mean, he was given the shopping list of elements there. Did he succeed in that story? Is it actually a celebratory story? No. The genesis of that story was: Didn't we have fun in Five Doctors? Let's get him back. I mean, it could have been Pertwee in there. It could have been. Here we go, the Holy Grail. Could have been Tom Baker in there. Even Peter Davison. They could have gone back for the year before. I mean, look, The Two Doctors isn't supposed to be a celebration story, as it were. It was just basically to get Patrick Troughton back in for a, a jolly old wheeze up. Yes. But at least, you know, The Two Doctors' favour, it gives you what it says on the tin. There are two Doctors. And the three Doctors, you don't particularly get three Doctors. You get two Doctors. And the five Doctors, you get three Doctors, a recast, and the guy couldn't be bothered turning up. And even the day of the Doctor, you get... Um... A non-doctor in the war doctor who's just emerged out of you know out of nowhere out of the ether. I mean, I can I can understand why you would you would mention the two doctors because in in bringing back Patrick Troughton, you are in effect celebrating the show's history by looking back and, and, and bringing him back into it. So I mean, it's it's a fair fair thing to to bring that up. I think you mentioned before in the three doctors that uh, Patrick Troughton uh, in the five doctors and the two doctors, his portrayal is more true to what we saw in the late sixties, hmm. uh, which is interesting because I think. The, the length of time between uh, the two doctors, sorry, the three doctors and the five doctors is actually is ten years, which is longer than uh, away from the show than he was originally. Yeah, uh, but uh, he was able to, um, I don't know, find the character again. He'd probably been able to see uh, the three stories of his that existed by that time as well, so that might have refreshed his memory. The three orphan episodes. Yeah, <laughs> poor guy. It, it, it's. Ter- I mean, he did lament. I, I remember hearing, uh, reading uh, at, a, at a convention at one point, he did lament the fact that the BBC had not retain much in the way of anything of his time on the show and that may have been for monetary reasons because i'm sure there were royalties gone missing but uh i mean i suppose any actor um would like to have a record of their of Of their their work yeah that's right go back to the the five doctors because i mean the, the show celebrated its 15th anniversary during i think the um, stones of blood the stones of blood where there was a, a, a cake wheeled on but it was it was meant to be actually shown during the episode wasn't it i think it was supposed to be in the part four and they cut it out because it was going to be too self-referential too self it was too re- self-referential even for the graham williams era graham williams wasn't about wasn't about past continuity was he you know, and he had the daleks and that was it so they scattered over the 15th anniversary and then we then we uh then we come to the 20th anniversary which was uh 
uh, well, you know, a big shindig uh, all put together by um, effectively John Nathan Turner in cahoots with Eric Sayward. Yeah. Uh, and I remember reading that um, Nathan Turner, who was increasingly uh, attending conventions, um, you know, in England and, uh, and America, sort of became an unofficial agent for, <laughs> for a number of, uh, uh, of past actors who he would negotiate fees, etc. for. Mm. Uh, and I think it, it was a, a thing that he did that he constantly, well, he would ask them, are you prepared to come back to the show? And I think in that lay the seeds of uh, his, you know, the idea of actually having a celebratory 20th anniversary. Mm. Um, now, just harking back to the 10th uh, anniversary, the, the show, uh, the, that actual story uh, gained increased ratings uh, as, as the uh, as the episodes uh, rolled out. So there was, I mean, as you said before, the, the show was at, at a new peak of popularity not seen since Dalek Mania had, had fizzled away. Uh, and the show uh, in, in 1983 was a little bit on the wane, but um, I think uh, Nathan Turner saw this as an opportunity to um, sort of recapture the public attention. I don't think the ratings for the five Doctors on a GK broadcast were particularly that good. Seven point seven million dollars. Uh, seven dollars. Seven point seven million people. And it didn't really help that it was sandwiched in between the uh, children and need celebrations on the twenty fifth of November, not the anniversary date. The Americans got the twenty third of November, I think, on some of the PBS stations, and the and the UK audience had to wait two uh, two days later. And I think in Australia we got it either the and I'm going by memory here either the seventh or the ninth of December in nineteen eighty three. So we were even further behind. Uh, even though we stumped up some cash for it, sixty thousand of our Australian dollars, apparently, from a public broadcaster—that's actual taxpayers' dollars uh, as a co-production. But all they really did was sort of put an advance on that. You're actually buying a, buying a copy of the video. They had no say in it, really. That's true. So, Mark, what can you remember of uh, the the coverage that the the twentieth anniversary received? I mean, personally. I remember seeing an advertisement for it uh, on a run on the ABC, I believe, and I was talking talking excitedly with a couple of friends at, at, in my last year of primary school about it. So, I mean, what do you remember? Because we were we were so far away, and the internet obviously was uh, a glint in the milkman's eye. We were, I felt we were slightly cut off from the rest of the uh, the celebrations in North America and the UK. I remember getting the the Peter Haney book of celebration the Radio Times uh, 20th anniversary special, which was reprinted down here as well. But like you, I remember uh, the, the trail of the five doctors and getting really excited to see it. And uh, I, my main abiding memory of the five doctors is on the day of transmission, you know, 15 minutes to go, my dad turns around and goes, oh, we need some milk from the shops. And I said, you've had all day to ask me. I've never run so fast in my life to get back um, before, you know, to watch it. And I was watching it with my brother, and we had some friends over as well, and their kids were there, and they were immediately entranced with Patrick Troughton's performance, as you would be. Was it repeated um, early in 1984? Do you remember? It was repeated, I think, for the ABC's 20th uh, anniversary celebrations of showing from an earthly child. So they repeated it again because remember taping it on audio tape. I was the uh, the Graham Strong of Australia. You were. My, 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 my two other memories of it were a cousin of mine, uh, this is the infamous cousin who bought 20 uh, uh, Target novelizations in one hit. Mum and he, be praised. <laughs> he, um, he did the awesome thing of actually videotaping it. And I remember going uh, visiting uh, my aunt and uncle uh, and the family and um, there he had it on VHS and we watched it. And I remember coming back a, a year or two later 
and or you know later in the year and we watched it again and by that time it was so heavily affected by dropouts and static that you know it, it wasn't really a recording anymore it sounds like my uh, copy of planet of five part one on uh, vhs yes and the other memory other abiding memory uh, the reason why i asked you about that repeat is because um on the last day of the school holidays in 1984 the day before i was to start high school i had a motorbike accident and i ripped up my left leg rather nicely and uh i remember coming back from i think it was outpatients uh, uh with a, a bandage on my leg and on my foot with a a tip for the unwary don't wear thongs whilst riding a three-wheel <laughs> motorbike please uh, i was not riding it even pertwee style uh, from day of the daleks but um it was more gangham style was it god it hurts that's all i can say <laughs> but i remember sitting there uh, in a great deal of pain and slight shock um and watching the repeat so uh yeah i mean my my overriding memory of um of the five doctors uh, even watching it now is it's it's a great deal of fun it, it, it's just a lot of fun and i mean there is some interesting performances and i, I find that hartnell sorry i find that richard herndall <laughs> uh, i find that richard herndall actually ends up being the hero of the story which uh, i think that might have been deliberate on uh, terence dix's part but um i mean it's 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 the first doctor who says to the others uh, let uh, Barusa have uh, you know the prize, have immortality, yeah, uh, and all the other ones finally click. But I just found that uh, I, you, you, there's a lot of the say about Herndl's performance, but it's the first Doctor who is actually the hero of the story. I find also the little bit of Dalek invasion of Earth at the beginning of the Five Doctors was, for a lot of people, their first glimpse of Hartnell ever. And That's then, a fair point. And then Tom Baker couldn't be bothered turning up, so. But it, it hangs together quite well. I think I look at it now, again, with very nostalgic eyes. And when I watch it, I, I, like you, I always watch it for the pure fun value. Don't pick away at the plot too much because it just falls apart. And it's very similar, as you said before, to the three Doctors. We've got an evil ranty Time Lord that both the Doctors are taken away to a desolate place. Monsters abound, whether they're gel guards or the whole fleet that they have in the five Doctors. I, I love the, the horn that plays at the start. I'd, if I knew how to do it, I'd have it as my ringtone. But um, it's it, the, the score is really evocative, and it, it's quite uh, it's quite good. Yeah. And I'm just I'm just actually looking here at DWM four seventy four. The Five Doctors comes in twenty fifth in the, the two thousand and fourteen poll, which is remarkable. Really. We'll get to that poll later in the podcast, shall we? Mm, yeah, yeah, we shall. But uh, mm. I just it, even now, um, in, in the teeth of the new series. Something that at the time, I mean, if you read the InVision review, which is fairly dismissive of, of the Five Doctors, uh, even in the teeth of uh, the love for the new series, um, Five Doctors is pretty high or relatively high in in, uh, in fans' uh, opinions. I remember watching it again on, on VHS and uh, when Richard Herndall goes, uh, you know, I'm the Doctor, I'm the original, my mum turns around and goes, no, he's not. <laughs> so, well, no, he's not, he's dead. We, we said before that the, 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 the ratings for it weren't particularly flash. It was 7.7 .7 million uh, viewers, which is, I suppose, around the average, uh, well, in the latter portion of um, da Peter Davison's uh, era. Hmm. Um, and I remember reading an article in uh, the, the, the local, well, the, the Age newspaper here in Melbourne has a, has a weekly TV uh, supplement. And they had an article by a, a writer, a uh, Peter Smark, who did a bit of a review of the uh, of the story in uh, just ahead of its broadcast here in Australia. Uh, he was the Ages London correspondent at that time, and he mentioned um, mentioned the audience figures at that time. And I, the, the one thing that stuck out in my mind 
back then was the comment that he made that the show was looking tired and its popularity was on the wane. And I, for all J and T's, um, you know, trying to please the fans, uh, you know, uh, bringing back elements from the show's past, it didn't. It it, it didn't do anything. That uh, that special event didn't really do anything to kickstart the show into the next twenty years of its of its existence. There wasn't. It, it didn't have. It didn't seem to attract a larger audience than normal. Uh, and I'm sure it it had you know some uh, press coverage etc. And there was stuff on the BBC uh, etc. But it it appears that, uh, that an opportunity was missed. That in this nostalgia fest, we're not setting ourselves up uh, for you know the next five years, the next ten years, the next twenty years. Which I suppose in TV is you know you can't look that far ahead. But I I still think that. Um, JNT indulged his sense of trying to please the fans or trying to, you know, suck up to the fans in a sense by giving the fans what they wanted. The fans never need what they want. They just need good television. They just need good entertaining television. And yes, The Five Doctors, is looking back now, is entertaining television, but is it what the show needed at that time, do you think? I think what The Five Doctors needed at that time, to be honest, to get better ratings was to give it a time slot by itself, give it the, the space to... Uh, perform and get some organisational willpower and uh, publicity behind it. If you think about it, imagine the five doctors having the same amount of publicity the 50th anniversary story got. Global screen. I know you couldn't have done it back then, but just imagine that. It would have been, I think, a lot better um, viewing figures in the UK in particular. The mistake of it was, yes, it was too much looking looking back where I think the day of the doctor um, got that balance uh, pretty right. I think we've dis- we've discussed this before. The show's moment back in 1983 had passed, mm. and that it, it 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 look. I mean, I know that I said that J and T should have attempted to look to the future and build to the future, but I think that at that point uh, the show really didn't seem to have a future. It was sort of stuck in a midweek slot. Uh, J and T sort of wanted to get it out of there, but the BBC wasn't really interested in moving it moving it at all. And um, even though, you know, it, it was a celebration of 20 years, uh, I, th- I think the, 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 the time was winding down for the show at that point. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's obvious with hindsight now, uh, a year or two later, and it was, it was effectively on the chopping block. But um... The Five Doctors would have been a perfect way to end the series. After all, that's how it all started. The end. The end. I, I th- <laughs> well, that's, look, that's true. I mean, it, it is actually in hindsight the perfect line to finish a series on. Mm. I, I think that the again we've mentioned this before. The BBC didn't know what to do with it. It was shambling along like a zombie that didn't realize hadn't realized it was actually dead. Uh, and uh, it's it, the axe was was beginning to descend, but um, not just at that point. Mm. Um, you know, whereas. The tenth anniversary was a bit of a mile, was a mile celebrating a milestone. Mm. The twentieth anniversary, I think, may have concentrated minds on. We've got this show that we don't know what to do with. It, 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 it you know, it eats up resources that we think could be better spent somewhere else. Um, but no one had the will or the inclination, or the you know, the brain power to actually sort of say, well, let's you know, bring this to an end.
Mark, as we move on uh, through the years, uh, we come to the 25th anniversary, which, um, I mean, is an interesting uh, anniversary to celebrate, I suppose. Uh, look, um, I don't suppose there's too much to say about that particular season other than would you have celebrated 25 years with Silver Nemesis or would you have rather it have been Remembrance of the Daleks? Oh, Remembrance of the Daleks. I mean, it was a miracle the show survived to 25 years by that stage. Hmm. But I think the only reason they had Silver Nemesis and the Cybermen was because they were silver, right? That was that was it. But then again, the Daleks were... They, they could have been silver. But I think, yeah, absolutely a misstep. Remembrance should have been the anniversary uh, story of that season because I think it works so much better. The Daleks are so closely intertwined with the show's beginnings that it seems like a missed opportunity to... I mean, look, at the end at the end of the day, it's just... It doesn't really matter, I suppose, which show is shown on the 25th anniversary. You could have shuffled any of them, of them around. Mm. It just would have seemed or felt more fitting to have Doctor Who uh, or Remembrance of the Daleks uh, in that slot. But, you know, it wasn't to be. J&T, J&T definitely uh, saw... 25th anniversary, silver anniversary, silver nemesis, let's go with um, shiny Cyberman. And there was no way he was going to get a uh, 90-minute special by that stage. He might have got a 9-minute special, he got a 14-minute special afterwards, but there was no way. Uh, Now that neatly uh, moves us on to the um, 30th anniversary Dimensions in Time uh, extravaganza. By this stage, Doctor Who was a dim and dead and bitter memory. Uh, for some anyway and um, d- well again um, there was going to be a celebration a, a one-off uh, the dark dimension which uh, came reasonably agonizingly close to coming together again it was going to be a multi-doctor story uh, this time with Tom Baker taking up the lion's share of the attention and then for a number of reasons which you know we don't need to go into here it fell over, and then in the mad scramble to do something, Dimensions in Time was born. Yes. And shall we neatly uh, move away from that and move on to... Uh... We've already discussed it in our Wilderness Years podcast. If you want to hear our thoughts about it, go back and have a listen to it, because I really have no interest in discussing it again. If you do want to find out about what happened to the Dark Dimension, uh, I think it was the third issue of Nothing at the End of the Lane magazine. had a really good article on it. So Richard Bignall's magazine, it's a fantastic uh, piece of uh, reportage uh, about the ins and outs and the background. I think it's probably the most complete uh, coverage of the uh, the whole saga, in yeah. actual fact. Uh, seek, so... seek that out. Don't seek... Uh, Dimensions in Time Dementia in Time out. although you can watch the um, the DVD production note version on YouTube it is very funny with uh, evil Paul McCartney and Christopher Lloyd as the first and second doctors <laughs> episode 14 is our Wilderness Years podcast uh, have a listen to that plug plug yes plug plug uh, we, we can say though that um, if the 10th and 20th anniversaries were milestones and celebrations uh, of where the show was and, and where it was at uh, the third, well, Dimensions in Time is, is exactly the same where the show was at. It was the pits. It was awful. Uh, there didn't seem to be any any future for the show uh, as a TV uh, spectacle. Uh, it was essentially a joke at that point, which is really, really sad. It was a millstone, wasn't it? It wasn't a milestone. It was a millstone around the show's neck. Peter Davison and John Pertwee did pretty well, I thought. Yes. But the rest of it's just pants. It's just awful. It's that whole thing of... Uh, it had become a, a habit... Uh, at that point of gathering doctors together and 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 using that as an excuse, uh, well, using that to celebrate the show, um, and it was it was it's tired. It you know it doesn't it doesn't bring any in my opinion anyway. It, I mean you know dimensions in time brings nothing to nothing. But it is 
I suppose unless you've got a clever way of doing it or you do it in such a way that it, it sparks uh, and, and it really engages you, um, it, it just seems to be a bit of a wasted effort. I mean, uh, it, there should should be another way to celebrate the show without having to go to the lengths of dragging more Doctors back again and again. Uh, now, I'm going to contradict myself later when we talk about the 50th anniversary. But at that point... Um, John Nathan Turner was... I don't know what was going on in his head that he, th- he thought that we, they had to go down that path. Employment, I think, was anything going through his head. All right, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. The 30th anniversary was merchandise, really, wasn't it? It was uh, Dalek tin sets, TARDIS tin sets, uh, a DWM 30th anniversary special, a Radio Times cover, and the Kevin Davies uh, documentary, now Planet of the Daleks as well. Was Air Zone Solution at around that time? It was, actually, yes. And there you go again. You get all the... I mean, I think fans have been so conditioned to having uh, a celebratory story as a multi-doctor story that they didn't bat an eyelid when the actual actors, albeit in other roles, were uh, brought together for another story. Yeah. It, um, I, you know, I personally don't mind Air Zone Solution. It's not, you know, uh, also, it's not um, Citizen Kane, but... <laughs> Uh, it, it probably is the Citizen Kane of fan films, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just that's the mindset that not only you know J and T and the BBC had uh, around that time, but also the fans that uh, the only way to celebrate the show was through multi Doctor you know reunion. But we'll just touch briefly on the 40th anniversary again. We looked at that in our Wilderness Years podcast. Uh, the only um, story that I, I think came out at that time uh, in celebration was Big Finish's three-disc uh, epic uh, Zagreus. Did something well. It did something that Air Zone Solution did was bringing back the actors in different roles. Uh, Zagreus, uh, I remember listening to it and not being overly impressed. And uh, <laughs> uh, contrary to what I have been saying at that time, I was a little bit uh, disappointed that they brought them back in other roles, brought the actors back in other roles, and I thought, well, why can't they bring them back um, in, in their actual, you know, uh, Doctor role? Hmm. But um, that was the way that uh, I think Gary Russell thought that, you know, we'll try something different. And I suppose bravo for trying something different uh, in hindsight. Zagreus is, is bloated. It's too long. Uh, it meanders. It, it isn't particularly good. It's uh, boring. It, it, it actually betrays uh, what was set up in Neverland, which was um, the previous season finale for, 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 for the Paul McGann audios, which was an absolute cracker. But, mm. um, yes. Speaking of betray, we've just uh, broken our vow of not reviewing Big Finish. <laughs> yes, moving on. We're moving, moving on. right along. Moving along. We come to the new series. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Be more enthusiastic, Mark. As we touched on uh, the two Doctors, we might as well touch on Time Crash. Yes. Uh, in itself, a little bit of a celebration. Uh, Peter, Mo- uh, Peter Moffat. <laughs> From the grave, he's directing it. <laughs> Stephen Moffat. Uh, it, it was a little bit of a celebration because Stephen Moffat is actually celebrating Peter Davison and the Fifth Doctor. Because the way uh, David Tennant, the words coming out of David Tennant's mouth where he's saying that, you know, you were my doctor and all that sort of cloying stomach, you know, churning uh, dialogue or monologue. It's, that's basically uh, uh, Stephen Moffat saying, you know, uh, the, the the Fifth Doctor and the Fifth Doctor's era is my era of the show, and this is the one that I love. And here we are celebrating in this eight-minute little uh, little story. Let's be honest; the script is threadbare at best. All it is, pure nostalgia. There you go. The first acknowledgement of a classic Doctor in the new series, and as you said. Uh, acting against his future father-in-law. If you look at the, the Davison characterization of the Doctor, it's nowhere near what he was doing on television back then. 
It's much angrier for some reason. He's calling him skinny idiot. I mean, he would have never have said that, but it's probably more closer to what he was doing in the uh, in the audio range that we're not going to mention. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God I didn't get Colin Baker back because if it was the acerbic sixth doctor uh, speaking in the modern idiom, uh, it would have been just, you know, complete violence and swearing. It would have been the audio range version of the, of the sixth doctor, not the television one. What the, the more laid-back version that Colin Baker wanted to have but was not allowed to on the TV. Yes. <laughs> the time crash... Uh, not time crash. Time crash is a little bit like the two Doctors. It, uh, it's uh, it's out of sequence in terms of celebratory stories, but I, I firmly think that it was a nice 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 way of uh, Stephen Moffat uh, of celebrating the fifth Doctor. It was a, a very uh, generous love letter to the past, and it worked. I mean, I must admit, I did get quite... I won't say emotional, but... You know, it did sort of tear up a little bit when I first saw it. It's a strange thing because I got, I similarly got a little, I don't know why, I mean, I mentioned this before, I don't know why I get choked up about this. It's a TV show. Yeah. And I know it's tied to my childhood and all that sort of thing, but I got choked up watching Day of the Doctor, you know, when I had this sort of burning, uplifting sensation where Capaldi makes his appearance. And, and then when, you know, you hear Tom Baker right towards the very end, and you sort of, it's disbelief and it's hope and it's, oh my God, I'm, you know, seven years old again. It's just, it's just a bizarre feeling. Mm. And I suppose that in itself is a celebration. It's, 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 a, it's joy, it's happiness, it's, it's touching something that you, you know, when you were younger, you really loved and embraced. And, and uh, it's great to be able to be allowed to relive some of that, I suppose. And I don't know why it manifests itself in this choking, throbbing sensation in my chest. And here's me surreptitiously perhaps wiping at an eye in the dim theatre. And my wife is probably looking at me going, who is this person that I apparently married? You know, it, 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 it's just strange. And I had the same sensation, um, and I shouldn't have, but during uh, an adventure in time and space or adventure in space and time. Space and time, yeah. When, uh, you know, uh, Matt Smith's doctor... Turned up. Turned up. And you and even though it's a, it's a it makes no sense in story... In, in, in storytelling other than to suggest that William Hartnell was having hallucinations towards the end of his tenure. Uh, it, well, really, I mean, he looks, he looks across and there's Matt Smith. What's going on there? Is he a, <laughs> is he a clairvoyant? Is he, is he just is he lost the plot? The arteriosclerosis is really working its, its magic on him. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we, we look at the Day of the Doctor, and I know I've, I've whinged before in the last five or six minutes that um, it's, again, uh, you know, the, the show turns to a multi-Doctor story. At the end of the day, you understand why, because the Doctor is the central central tenet, the central factor in the show's popularity and, and, and what people identify with more than anything else. So it does make sense to bring the Doctors back. And even though I will probably go on yet another rant about uh, Hurt getting shoehorned in and really just confusing me, uh, what do you, I mean, what do you think about the day of the Doctor celebrating the series? I mean, it, it touches on a, on a number of elements, doesn't it? There's lots of nice little nods to the past, but it doesn't clog up the story. And... If you're a normal person who watches the new series and doesn't have much of a passing interest on the old series, uh, references like Kramer aren't going to upset you too much. But for us old farts like us, we're going to go, ho, 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 have a jolly chuckle. But Moffat had a look at multi-doctor stories in the past and felt that three doctors worked particularly well. And uh, that's, that's the way he went. I mean, the interaction, it does work very well in, in Day of the Doctor, the interaction between Tennant Smith and... Um and the fake doctor um it, it works really well 
Sorry, I've just caused heads to explode. I have problems with it too. If Eccleston was in it, that would have been just stellar, wouldn't it? I'm not bagging John Hurt at all because I think he's a tremendous actor and I did, he did a fantastic job. A little part of me is sad that uh, Eccleston wasn't in it the same way. A little part of me was sad that Tom Baker wasn't in The Five Doctors. Yeah, I, look, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I don't have, have any animosity towards or animus towards uh, John Hurt. Um, the, the the production team had to make a decision at a very at very short notice, and with Eccleston uh, not wanting to come back for whatever reason, and there are plenty of reasons out there, but for whatever reason he didn't want to come back, that's fair play to him. Mm. It would I think it would have been tremendous because um, the the show's success today is built on that first season with Eccleston there, and it seems a pity that for whatever reason he couldn't come back and be part of that celebration, and I think that. Had he been in the in the hurt role, uh, well, I mean, in, in my little fan brain, that would have made continuity knit together much more nicely. Mm. But in terms of celebrating the show, you have Eccleston, you have Tennant, you have Smith, the three pillars that have you know uh, held up the, the success of the show. Instead, you have an interloper, and no matter how well it's played, and no, no matter how entertaining it is. Some part of me, not all of me, but some part of me can't get past the fact that it should be it should be Eccleston in there. And or McGann. Have, or McGann. If it couldn't have been Eccleston, it should have been McGann. Yeah. Um, now, Moffat had his own reasons, and, you know, in, ter- in terms of pure marketing, having a, a, a world-famous uh, screen actor come on board, you know, via the name of the Doctor, uh, that makes sense. But, you know, at the end of the day... Uh, the day the Doctor was going to get its millions of viewers, it was going to, you know, uh, screen in cinemas around the world. It was going to make money left, right, and centre. It was going to be covered from, you know, bumhole to breakfast, uh, all the way, all the way around the world. And it, it, I, it, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. It doesn't deserve to be number one on the DWM 2014 poll, but we'll get to that later. But it, uh, it, it's, 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 it's a wonderful story that I really en- enjoyed. But I'd, I'd, I'd have preferred McGann or, more properly, Eccleston to have been in, in, in the position. All right, so, Mark, just to wrap it up, um, next year, mm. the show will celebrate 10 years of being back on British television. Now, uh, what do you think they're going to do? How do you think they should celebrate that, if, if, if at all? Ignore it. It's all part of the same show. Why would you say it's 10 years, but then celebrate it its 50th? In 2013. Just ignore it. You know they're not going to be able to ignore it. The ring of cash registers will uh, will prove too strong and might do something. Um, but I just hope they ignore it. And it's all part of the same show, as they keep telling us. So that's how I, I look at it. How about you? Well, I, I think that they will celebrate it. I think that we'll see Matt Smith back. I think we'll see definitely see David Tennant back. Hopefully we'll see Eccleston back. Um, I think. Look, honestly, I think that they will celebrate it, not simply because of the cash registers ringing, but I think you know Moffat has been an integral part of the series since it came back. I mean, he wrote the two-parter in, in the first season, um, and uh, I think he'll he'll. I th- well, it just it's a no-brainer, really. Here's another chance to celebrate the show. Here's another chance to put it in front of the public. I think it will be if they do do it, it'll be much more low-key. Uh, you you won't be able to replicate the hype of the fiftieth anniversary when it you know it all rolled around, but um, I, I the difference there here being should they or will they? I think they will. Should they? Um, look, I I take your point about uh, they've just recently had the fiftieth anniversary celebration and the series old and new is of a piece. So why would you especially celebrate just ten years of it? But um, I I. I 
you know, taking all that into account, I, I think they will simply because for the last 10 years, Doctor Who has been a centerpiece in, uh, you know, not only the, the, you know, the BBC's production, but in television generally around the world. There, there are a number of very popular TV series in those 10 years that have come and gone, uh, but Doctor Who remains. And I think the chance to celebrate that success will be one that will be irresistible. If they do a celebration episode, I don't think they will have any... They won't get Matt Smith back or David Tennant or Eccleston back because, well, career-wise, Matt Smith is doing Terminator, so it'll be very very hard to fit him in. And I think it'll be too soon for him to go back. He's just left the year before. And, and same with David Tennant. He was seen last year. So I don't think... If they do, if they do celebrate it... They'll just do a celebration of the last 10 years and have the Weeping Angels and all that stuff. There'll be no previous Doctors in it. That makes sense in, uh, and it sort of um, touches on my points before about you know why the, why the need to go back for multi-Doctor stories, I suppose. Mm. If you can celebrate the show itself uh, through, you know, through the, the medium of the story and not necessarily the medium of having you know, past actors back. I take your point, that makes, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. As promised at the beginning of our uh, celebration episode, uh, here's our new segment, Dragged from the Archives. Now, Mark, um, what's the idea behind uh, Drag from the Archives? The idea we have is to basically uh, ransack our old fanzines from the 80s and the 90s and sort of go through them and pick out any uh, nuggets of gold that we think would be uh, interesting to our listeners. And maybe also touch upon the fact that some of the stories back then are still being discussed now. So um, the reason we've called this segment Drag from the Archives is uh, it was named after a JNT produced video that uh, unfortunately or fortunately didn't get uh, released to the public where it featured uh, actors of the day dragging up. Um, BBC video said to JNT, don't call us will call you. <laughs> I've been trawling through my old fanzines, and uh, especially DWB. Blessed be its name. Yes, uh, and I've gone way back, way back to... How far uh, way back, mate? I've gone back to issue four from 1983. Now, everybody, all the other podcasts are banging on about the DWM 50th anniversary poll. Forget that. We're going right back to the DWB 20th anniversary poll, and... Rob, would it be of interest to you to find out what the number one story was in 1983? Mark, hit me with the uh, details. Air shock. Now, that's not overly shocking, is it? Not really. Uh, followed by Web of Fear, uh, The Demons, Genesis of the Daleks, Ark in Space, The Sea Devils, Pyramids of Mars, Tomb of the Sodman, Three Doctors, and Legopolis. Legopolis? Legopolis. Interesting. I mean, it, it just goes to show, I suppose, that uh, the passing fashion of the day, you know, the, the, the exciting story that was recently on, you know, shoots immediately to the top. Uh, I mean, when you compare that to, um, as we alluded to earlier, the DWM uh, 474 poll, uh, yeah. the poll that's in that issue, Day of the Doctor is, it displaces uh, Genesis of the Daleks, uh, well, it displaces Caves of Androzani, uh, it forces it into fourth position of all... Th- I mean, that's just outrageous. It's a heresy, isn't it? I mean, come on. I mean, I, I said before that the day the Doctor is a great, entertaining, heart-wrenching, made-me-choke-up-inside sort of story. 
But Caves of Androzani is a stone-cold classic. It is. It is. I mean, I defy anyone with a brain to watch Caves of Androzani and not be, you know, touched, moved, uh, horrified, uh, enraptured enraptured by it. Because, look, I I could go on all day, frankly, but um, it's the one story that I've shown to my wife and she promptly fell asleep. But <laughs> that's the that's the caliber of the story that I would actually pull it out and go, here, dear, have a look at this. Granted, she fell asleep, but you know I love it to bits. And it being forced down to fourth is wrong, and uh, just goes to show that uh, fans uh, their their heads are easily turned. Frankly, the interesting thing about these polls back then is that people were voting for these stories that they'd neither never seen or even heard of in audio form or even read the book. William Hartnell is called first best. Uh, third place, or well, sec- first place is the Daleks. Second place is Dalek Invasion of Earth. Third place is the Tenth Planet, and the fourth place is the Celestial Toymaker. Now let's just go back to the DWM polls. Uh, 2009, the Celestial Toymaker was 151, and 2014 it's 197, and that's still too high. <laughs> <laughs> that's too true. The, the alternate title for the Celestial Toymaker is too rude uh, to actually mention. But um, no, it is... Uh, well, the existing episode is pure awfulness. Mm. Uh, but look, I mean, you look at... We'll, we'll go back to the first best uh, poll for the 20th anniversary. The Daleks, I mean, you know, I'm sure that that was a staple of Saturday afternoon telly on the BBC. The Dalek invasion of Earth, probably similarly so. The Tenth Planet makes it, the, you know, where it does purely on its reputation mm. and the celestial toy maker who knows why people why 83 people put it as as uh, you know into that position it's just it's just bizarre it's the same vote rigging that was probably allegedly used for the 50th anniversary poll but the un involved in the uh, checking of that poll i don't know a bunch of blue helmets uh, lives were sacrificed in the making of these polls so let's look at the pertwee polls for john pertwee the worst stories are number one the mutants number two the ambassadors of death Number three, the monster of Peldon. That should be number one. Number fourth is the time monster. And number five, Inferno. Look, you know, with polls like this, it's, it's hard to say what, what was in people's heads. You can only sort of look at the context of the times. Look, it's hard to say. It's fan law and reputation. No, you're right. I mean, you can see that the Gunfighters is listed as the worst Hartnell, and that's probably down to, you know... Was it Bentham who said that in one of his books? That... In the celebration, he said it was the worst, and it's no way near the worst. It's fantastic. I'd definitely... I'll be putting the Space Museum, episodes two to three and four... As the worst, episode one's all right, but there's much more worse Hartnells than the gunfighters. So what do these polls tell us, uh, Mark? Um, you know, 30 years uh, between them? Jeez, it is 30 years, isn't it? God. Actually, let's just touch on the best doctors in 1983. So number one was John Pertwee, Tom Baker, Patrick Troughton, Peter Davison, and followed up by William Hartnell. Now, the year later, uh, DWB ran another poll, and um, let's just go to the all-time classic stories. Take a guess. Uh, Genesis. No, Caves of Androzani. Oh. Number two, Earthshock. Number three, Pyramids of Mars. Number four, The Demons. Number five, Genesis. Number six, Resurrection of the Daleks. Number seven, Logopolis. Eight, Ark in Space. Nine, Deadly Assassin. And ten, The Sea Devils. Are you saying that Logopolis improved its position? Yes. (laughs) God. (laughs) It defied gravity. Best Hartnells, again, uh, the, the the positions had switched. Dalek Invasion of Earth came at number one. Daleks came at number two. Tenth Planet is still number three. And Celestial Toymaker 
uh, was still number four, followed by the Keys of Marinus and the Web Planet. And followed by the Daleks Master Plan is a lot better than the Web Planet, Keys of Marinus, Lester Drawmaker, and the Tenth Planet. And potentially the Daleks as well. I, I suppose, just I'm touching on the Web Planet, uh, just to move away from the humorous side. Why? Um, <laughs> I suppose it was such a different viewing experience at the time that it made such a strong impression on young impressionable minds and you know when it came to voting um they just voted it higher than Dalek's master plan all they read about the web planet was uh they smeared the camera lens and vaseline oh my god how different is that i'm gonna put that at the top of the polls for hartnell that's it (laughs) You know what? I've never seen the web planet. I, I think there's a piece of me that's missing because I haven't done so. If you're having problems sleeping, definitely put that on. Um, mm. Favourite Doctor in 1984 was uh, still top of the poll was John Pertwee, followed by Peter Davison. Number three was Tom Baker. Fourth, Patrick Troughton and William Hartnell. So um, Tom Baker's probably suffering a bit of uh, not turning up for the five Doctors backlash there, I think. Interesting, interesting. What this sort of shows is that uh, fans are... Pickle. They have got one thing right in the 84 poll, was Best Troutons was Web of Fear, uh, Tomb of the Cybermen, Evil of the Daleks, In the Invasion, and The Mind Robber, and The Six was War Games. Macro Terror was at the bottom. Well, you know what? These people, they're closer to uh, the screening of the Macro Terror mm. than we are, and, you know, maybe crabs in fog don't really, you know, appeal. Yeah, favourite writer in 84 was Robert Holmes, number one, Eric Sayward, number two. Jesus. Hello there, JR. Um, he's probably had a coronary read hearing that um, Christopher Bidmead, Terry Nation, Terence Dix Peter Grimwade, Malcolm Hulk and David uh, Whitaker and Dougie Adams it's interesting how things shift because I mean you, you look at favourite writers now excluding um, so, so the new series that, that would probably be turned on its head almost uh, Whitaker and, and Hulk and, and obviously joining with Robert Holmes uh, as, as the best writers but um, and also if you look at the, the the DWM polls compared to the 2009 results to 2014 well every time a story gets released on DVD it drops 10th planet was uh, position number 55 in 2009 and 2014 it was 85 Did the animation kill it I just think the realization it was dull it killed it yes I look I'm a bad fan I've not actually seen the 10th planet jeez I'm terrible aren't I you better bone up because uh, we're going to be doing a future podcast looking at the first Doctor Zeros. Ooh, yes. Better bring up your mates at BBC Miami to get some copies of them. Uh, on a server near you. On an <laughs> unsecured Dropbox server near you. <laughs> All right, Mark. So the next, uh, the next piece of uh, DWB goodness dragged from the archives. What, what's caught your fancy there, Rob? So DWB 15, Mark, um, answers the question, do Afro tapes exist, posited in an earlier DWB by saying, yes, they do. Uh, and this uh, DWB 15 covers the discovery of, I believe it was by Ian Levine, uh, parts one, three, and four of the Time Meddler, and also parts uh, one, three, and four of the War Machines. Now, the, uh, the interesting thing uh, about this piece, which is written by J. Jeremy Bentham, uh, is uh, the last few uh, sentences, which are, well, they're interesting. I'll read them out. Um, he begins by saying, however, on a positive note, BBC Enterprises are so delighted with the find, for obvious commercial reasons, they are now going to actively chase up all the other African countries that bought Doctor Who to see if anything does exist there. This is radically different from before when enterprises in the film library would only be the passive partner, providing only official recognition to the efforts of outsiders who were pursuing leads. And I am very optimistic about their chances. Nostradamus. Well, um, (laughs) 
like his uh, like his uh, you know earlier namesake from centuries gone by, Jay Jeremy. Uh, yes, was able to see into the future and, and see uh, that the BBC should have acted on the, on the Jeremy's recommendation thirty years before, because uh, clearly, I mean, you know, well, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, Bentham spoke with some inside knowledge about the way the B- BBC would approach, uh, you know, exploiting any potential fines. Mm. Uh, they clearly, they clearly did not actively chase up all the other African countries. It, certainly not in the manner that Phil Morris. Uh, has done in uh, in recent years. Mm. Uh, so it, it's very interesting that, um, uh, well, it was posited back at that time and only very, very recently has it been, uh, you know, actuated. I think when Term of the Cybermen was found, the story was the BBC were going to set up a missing episodes office uh, then as well, but um, obviously didn't do it. I mean, despite what uh, Bentham was saying back then about, you know, BBC Enterprises being uh, delighted and excited about the pers- potential commercial uh, opportunities, mm. I don't think, when you get down to it, the BBC doesn't give a stuff. It never gave a stuff back then, and it doesn't really give a stuff now. And if Phil Morris, you know, does the work for him essentially, um, they'll be happy to exploit it, as, yeah. they, as they have done in the last six months. I mean... <laughs> We know the reasons behind why these episodes were lost, not lost, destroyed, deliberately destroyed. Um, but, you know, the, the, we, we read things like this back, you know, 30 years ago, and you think, oh, the, you know, the BBC were actively looking for things. Clearly they weren't. Otherwise, you know, if they'd made half an effort instead of none, um, <laughs> we may have got more things back much, much earlier. Yes. And who, you know, it's pointless speculating, but I might as well speculate. Who knows what has been lost in the intervening years? That's now, right. granted, it only really matters to fans like us, but taking a broader perspective, there's a lot of uh, cultural history that's gone to waste because the BBC, because other TV stations didn't really, weren't able to look far enough ahead and when they were shown evidence that these missing episodes did exist, they didn't really have the gumption to get up and go. And it's telling that an individual uh, under their own steam has done the job for them. And far, far better than they could ever have done off their own bat. So to wrap up, Rob, uh, this was piece of literature uh, caught my eye from DWB issue 20. The headline is titled uh, Doctor in Distress. Now, Doctor in Distress has a particular impact on you, I know. It's a favourite of ours, isn't it? I'm not going to read everything about it, but I'll just sort of paraphrase it a bit. So, um... Doctor in Distress is the title of a song being masterminded by record producer Doctor Who fan Ian Levine. It is very much along the lines of Bob Geldof and Midgeor's Band-Aid project, as it will assemble some of the biggest names in pop music, the following of whom have pledged their support for the series and have agreed to provide their services free of charge for the record. They are as follows. Uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Madness, Divine, Blamanche, Kim Wilde, Alexi Sale, Imagination, Paul Young, The Village People, Bucks Viz, Nick Hayward, uh, from Haircut 100, uh, Kate Garner, never heard of her, and Noddy Holder from, I think it was Slade. The following have yet to be confirmed, uh, Elton John, Bronsky Beats, Sade, Anthony Ainley, and Mark Strickson. Now, Rob, my question to you is, where were they? Why didn't they turn up? Well, why didn't they turn up, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it goes on to say the song is currently being written by Ian and will be slightly based on Ron Grainer's original theme. While slightly based is a big exaggeration. Yes, well what what, what can you say? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know what to say to that. Um 
Big Dreams. <laughs> I made of these as the song goes. Big Dreams from Big People. Uh, sometimes never eventuate. You know, if no. you don't try, you never know. I, I just, you know, you sometimes wish that Levine had never tried. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine the village people and Frankie goes to Hollywood on the same single. That's just insane. I mean, reading that now, that is a pipe dream anyway. Oh, it's it's DWB living up to its uh, tabloid roots. Yeah. I think I think if you'd had. Uh, you know, some of those people together, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And who was the other one you mentioned? Elton John was well, there. The, the village beat. people. I mean, if you had all those people in the one room, it would have been like approaching the event horizon to a black hole. There was just no way from coming back from that. All the pop stars for Band-Aid managed to calm all their egos down and, and get in the room and feed the world. But, um, you know, that yeah, but was... They were, Mark, they were feeding the world, not saving <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> they, were, they were trying to uh, finance a new series to go ahead immediately. But if the BBC don't want it, then the money will go to a charity of Bill Cotton's choice. So there you go. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that uh, dip back through the uh, mist of time. The misty mists of time. Any of our listeners have some fanzine tidbits from yesteryear they'd like to uh, share with us, please send them through to our uh, Gmail account of 42todoomsday.gmail.com and uh, we will read them out and uh, comment on them. Uh, Mark, before we go, uh, we'll touch on uh, what we've been doing, uh, Doctor Who related. What have you been watching, reading, listening to, uh, experiencing? I've had a bit of a Doctor Who fest recently. Uh, as I said, I've rewatched the three Doctors, the two Doctors, and uh, went back and listened to Power of the Daleks and Evil of the Daleks while uh, working. Is that in anticipation of anything in particular? I'm not saying. Everybody goes on how great power is. Look, I, I, I agree, it's a great story, but I, I enjoyed evil more. It was more interesting. I'll be a bit controversial here. Power of the Daleks really is a regeneration based on the siege story and quite a high death count at the end. It's a bit like the 10th planet, isn't it? But better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not knocking uh, Power of the Daleks at all, but when I listened to them back to back, I, I got much more out of evil of the Daleks. Mm. And, and at seven episodes, that whizzed along... Uh, quite well whereas opposed to Power of the Daleks uh, it sort of dragged a bit in the middle but I think if we ever get to see the visuals I'll probably might change my opinion just based on what I've listened and some of the visuals I've seen there's that uh, partial trailer for Power Mm. which looks deliciously creepy and and, and atmospheric I Mm. think uh, I might plump for Power but we may we may find out we may never find out but Mm. uh, it's all to be seen I suppose but uh, listening to those uh, BBC uh, audio collection stories have uh, sort of prompted my interest back in the earlier stories. So I've got uh, Macra Terra and Fury from the Deep ready to go. And as I said before, I'd rather listen to them on audio than sitting through a, a reconstruction of it. No, I agree. Uh, audio all the way for me. Yeah, that just seems to be the pure, purer interpretation of the, of the story, which is now sadly uh, lacking visuals. And also just nearly finishing Seasons 5 of The West Wing. Lovely. All praise to The West Wing. Who's the better writer, uh, Mark? Uh, Stephen Moffat or uh, Mr. Sorkin? Oh, Sorkin. Did you actually have to think about that? No, I was actually just making it up. It's actually Sorkin. <laughs> I was trying to build some anticipation, as uh, Radio Free Sarah says. No, Sorkin. And even uh, with, with Sorkin gone, because I just started the fifth series of, of The West Wing with John Wells, I thought, oh, it'd be a drop in quality. But no, the, the quality's um, kept on through. But I do think uh, the, the latter half of season five of The West Wing is a bit more dramatic twists that you would sort of expect from a... Uh, 
a non-Sorkin. Exactly. Like more like a who was a guy who did Hill Street Blues? What was his name? Stephen J. Uh, Kurt, no. Yeah, Kent uh, Nelson. Like, yeah. No, no, that's the other bloke who did a whole host of other stuff. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I did watch The Politician's Wife with David Tennant. Yes. Have you seen it? I've seen the first. My wife and I have seen, watched the first two episodes. We've yet to see the final. Uh, David Tennant does something that uh, no doctor should ever do. Uh, I think during the second episode. <laughs> I think. Oh yes, I think is that the. Um, yes, that is that one there. Tom Baker did that as well in, in Lives and Loves of a She Devil. Oh, did he? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Go and have a look. Uh, I will. Well, there you go. There you go. Now, what have I been up to? Just to move it on to me, because it's all about me. Uh, l- like you, I've been catching up with watching uh, some stories in preparation uh, for this podcast. Uh, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, I may have mentioned this before, as part of my editorial duties for the Doctor Who Project, uh, you can Google that name, uh, a series of fan uh, fiction stories, a continuation of the series uh, uh, from the Seventh Doctor's era. Uh, we've uh, we've embarked, or the... the uh, the editor, the publisher, Bob uh, Fernell, has uh, embarked on a an anthology, and we made a call for submissions, and the submission window closed uh, in late June. And much to my our amazement and you know perhaps horror, we received 106 submissions. Wow! Which uh, we are presently wading through. So we hope to have that all done by close to the end of August, and a final list of 12 or 13 stories. I think it's 12 stories. For the anthology, it's it's uh, it's actually raising money for a uh, an HIV charity. Uh, I believe it's in, in Canada, which is where uh, Bob, uh, the publisher, um, uh, hails from. So, uh, for any of any of the uh, any of the contributors who actually listen to our podcast, and I hope all of you do, uh, we are steadily working our way through it. It is a, it is a daunting uh, task. Uh, it's basically the equivalent of a of a hundred thousand word novel just going through. Well, maybe it's a four hundred thousand word novel. Oh God, my message. It's a lot of words. It. It's a lot of words. It's about the equivalent of three books, but that's all right. We'll get through it. Uh, and on uh, other uh, fiction duties, I've um, for those people who know uh, or heard about the Cushing Faneuil, um, that was a fan thing, uh, a fan uh, related book that was released last year, I believe, devoted to the two Cushing uh, Doctor Who movies. There's a follow up, the Union, uh, the Unit Faneuil, <laughs> uh, the Union Faneuil. God, <laughs> the Unit Faneuil. Uh, I'm talking too much. Um, and I've uh, been lucky enough to contribute. And I'm currently 8,000 words into a story that I think should only be 5,000 words. And I don't know that I'm halfway finished, but uh, pleasingly, I've actually got an outline that I'm writing to. And uh, half the fun of writing I've found over the last few years is the editing process. And uh, it won't be so much trimming the fat as in hacking away at the the fat with an axe to get this baby uh, down to a publishable size. But I hope to get that finished by the end of... uh, this month because I believe the deadline is the end of this month. I look forward to reading your multi-doctor story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no doctor involved in this one. No doctor involved in this one at all. So. Ah, very good. Very we'll good. See how, we'll see how it turns out and hopefully I can get it done uh, by the uh, deadline. All right. Shall we uh, get out of here? But before we do, we've actually gone on to Stitcher.com, Rob. Hurrah! Hurrah! So um, go to Stitcher.com, download the app and find us on there and you can subscribe to us as well. We're also on Player FM, obviously iTunes as well. So we're trying to slowly expand our... uh, Availability? Availability and empire accordingly. Also, do you want to give a shout out to Doctor Who Worldwide as well? They've been uh, promoting us quite heavily on their front page as well for the last uh, few episodes. So really appreciate the shout out from them as well. Yes, thanks to Mike at uh, Doctor Who Worldwide. Uh, It's a relatively new uh, news site and forum a lot of interesting discussion there about uh well doctor who in particular missing episodes 
Um, but uh, Mike, uh, who, who runs the site, has been very kind in helping to publicise the podcast. So uh, Doctor Who Worldwide, um, I'm sure you'll be able to Google that and uh, have a look around because it's, uh, it's a great little site to uh, get all your Doctor Who news. Well, should we sod off? We should sod off. So we look forward to uh, speaking with you again. Uh, until next time, I've been Gelgard Rob. And I've been Mr. Ollis. We'll speak with you soon. Bye-bye. You have been listening to another instalment of 42 to Doomsday, the Doctor Who podcast hosted by Mark and Rob. If you'd like to contact us, please do so via our Twitter account at 42 to Doomsday, email us at 42 to Doomsday at gmail.com, and find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 42 to Doomsday. And until we meet again, may your Doctor Who be good Doctor Who. Doctor Who.